On these badges, you'll see the black deal is, is a board member, and as Marvin did a wonderful job in his opening last night, encourage you to talk to the board members, and we've encouraged the board members to talk to you. And if there is an area of interest, uh, please join in on one of the committees, uh, see if you like the work and the people, and, and then perhaps you too can help move the field uh, a little bit forward day by day. So without further ado, I would like to introduce the chair of our conference committee, who is a, a past board chair who steered this organization through some very difficult times, uh, Kathy Palm of Tolly Hill. Kathy Palm. Thanks, Carl. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to chair the 38th annual conference for the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers. Um, and I tell you that with great sincerity and from the bottom of my heart. I also will tell you when I said those words at the board meeting, I got a good solid chuckle from the room. Um, having said that, it truly is an honor and it's been an honor to serve on the, um, the uh, National Association Board of Directors for many years and also to be a, to be a chair. Um, I want to extend my welcome to all of you to this uh, annual conference as well. Particularly, I'd like to thank the conference committee, and I'm going to give you those names. Uh, many of them are still out doing other things, but the, um, we included the uh, immediate past chair, that's Debbie Sanford from Pine Grove, uh, Paul Hackman from uh, Pavilion, Ruth Ann Rigby from Capstone, uh, Ann Bone from Rosecrans, who is a tireless volunteer, I might add, Mike Early, who chaired the um, uh, golf committee, uh, formerly from Karen, now with Northbound. We also uh, had Marvin Ventrell and Katie Strand from our staff. Please trust me when I say we couldn't have done it without them. So it was a great committee. We spent a lot of of work trying to assess what the uh, what we should be bringing you today. We're very excited about our offerings, and I hope that you will be too. I also want to thank all of our sponsors. I also will say we couldn't do this as well as we do it if we didn't have all of your sponsorship dollars, and they range from everything from a an ad in the program book to your name on the giveaway uh, bags that we have to some really significant breakfast, lunch, dinner, sponsorships, uh, key, uh, key cards as well. So I, we appreciate every generous contribution from the sponsorship perspective. We're also grateful for our exhibitors. There are folks in our field doing a variety of different things, services, um, treatment, et cetera, and it's important that, uh, that you're here for us as well, and we appreciate that. And also this year we've had an amazing response in registration, so we've hit uh, a very high note, which we believe is the greatest number we've had since uh, before the managed care days. So if any of you in the room go back that far, which I know there's many of us that do, um, we know what that was like too. So we're very grateful for that. So many of you in the room have brought many folks uh, here to our conference and we're very appreciative of that as well. Um, once again, very excited about the conference and we hope that you enjoy it and find what you need and want here in offerings as well as the network opportunities. So please enjoy the conference. Thank you. As we looked at setting up the conference, we really had a time 
uh, over the last several years to take an inventory of NAATP on the board and look at who we are and, and where we want to go. And, you know, with today's social media, media, and this, this is a great piece. And I look at the headline, the addiction industry at a crossroads. And I'm from Seattle, and we've built two stadiums, and they're trying to build a basketball arena. And the Seattle Times, the newspaper, ran a, ran a letter about why this was bad. And at the end was a footnote. Uh, the letter was from 1976 when they built the original kingdom. And it was every bit as true today as it was then. And I think the addiction industry at a crossroads certainly could have been 1989, probably could have been 1959. And so when we look at what's going on in the industry today, I was sitting in a session with an NATP board member when it was brought to our attention, perhaps today is one of the greatest days ever. Perhaps a greater understanding of science, perhaps the government paying attention, perhaps medical providers coming to us in, in greater numbers, perhaps the pharmaceutical industry coming in and looking at opportunities to help us provide care. Perhaps this is an indication of winning a battle. Perhaps there is an understanding of a biological illness like there never has been before. And so our task is, here we are where we've been alone on the front lines for so long and we're joined by so many. How do we continue to create a collaborative message? We have always been the providers that had the physicians in our treatment centers, that had the counselors, that were looking at how to work with the insurance companies, that needed to find ways to help patients find us. That's always who we've been. And so now we have this heightened awareness, and with that, there is good and there are challenges. And so the conversations around ethics, not only the ethics of the pharmaceutical industry, but the ethics of our industry. And we have to look at all those things and try and move things forward. So it is a complicated time. And the origin of NAATP were providers coming together, talking about what was working to reach their patients in an effort to improve treatment and to improve their business practices. And I think that's as true today as it was then. So if we are sitting here today trying to improve what we do at home and trying to improve how we serve the people that we're trying to help, we have to be organized. And the board set out to get organized. And we took our inventory and we looked at the model and we said, we need to have a larger staff. We need to have people with discrete disciplines that can do things so that we can move forward. And most importantly, so that we can be trusted. Like you, I've been in the field for quite some time, and I've read some studies, and this works, and this works, and I've never seen anything in the studies or in person more effective than trust. Can the patient, can the family trust the person they're talking to? Does the person trust the organization that they're involved with? Does the organization that they're involved with trust the trade association? And I think these are all important things. And if we're not talking about building that trust, we're tearing it down. So we went out to find a staff that could help us build that trust in communication, in organization, and in message. And the executive committee dedicated time. We threw a large net. Uh, the process has not been seamless. And when we got to where we thought we needed to be, 
the organization also had reestablished some credibility and we attracted quality candidates and the one that stood out far and most was Marvin Ventrell and I think that if those of you that were in this room last night and you heard him speak not only professionally but from the heart you understand why he's the right man at the right time and he has built a team of the right women at the right time to move the organization forward and so he knows how important today is but he also knows it's not any more important than seven years ago or will be any less important seven years from now we are joined we have the tragedy and the crisis of overdose death the disease which causes it is not new I'm not even sure the numbers afflicted are not new but they are dying and that has made headlines and it is a tragedy and here we are the tragedy is not new to us it's not new to us professionally it's not new to many of us personally but we have an opportunity we have this organization we have the right people and with that I'll give you our executive director Marvin Ventrell Good morning. Welcome back. If you were here last night, and if you're just arriving, welcome. Um, we have a record attendance at the conference. Uh, we have, I think we've passed 700 registrations, which is several hundred more than, than we've had in the past years. So uh, we're really excited about that. Um, we got to order more food, but we're really excited about that. And so we're running out of bags. We're, we have all these good problems to, to deal with. And to me, it's just really energizing to see this happen. Um, you know, I was given this opportunity to direct this organization a year ago. It's been a heck of a year. Uh, and, um, you know, we just, we just want to do a good job. We just want to do a good job for this industry and for all of you so that you can provide the best possible service. And when we see people see us and come to us and say, we want to be part of this. How do I join? What's it all about? And, and, and come in big numbers like this. It says to me that uh, we're, we're doing something right and that we have an opportunity to do even more. I mean, this association can grow tremendously. Think of the number of treatment providers uh, out there who we can benefit from by them coming into the fold, but whom we can also influence in terms of standards of practice and ethics, and we need to influence the industry in terms of standards and practice, uh, standards of practice and ethics. So I'm so excited to have, uh, to have this energy, and I'm grateful to work for a board of directors like this. Um, thank you, Carl. Thank you, Kathy. Those are kind words, and, and they mean a lot to me. The trust. I didn't know what Carl was going to say. I, um, uh, uh, working with Carl Kester as the board chair, as I have come in to this association, has been one of the great learning and progress opportunities of my professional life. Um, there is a legitimate professional collegiality between he and I that I have rarely experienced. There can be a lot of, if those of you who know anything about a board of directors and a chief executive, you know, there can be a, there can be a fair amount of this. Well, and you know what? Sometimes there is a fair amount of this. Uh, Carl talked at a board meeting about an incident where it was our first fight. <laughs> you know, the fact that we talk about it like that, the fact that I have that relationship with this board and that man, and, and, 
is it means that we are checking each other. We are we are saying, I don't think I agree with that. Uh, what about this? And respecting the boundary, but influencing one another. Man, it's hard to get there, and, and we're there. And so I hope my hope is that that's becoming apparent, and that our product uh, ends up showing that we are in a very good place at a very important time. So this is a very important time. And so I think that we have a record attendance because we're doing a good job and that it's a really important time and there's an awesome beach. I think that's part of it too. Um, and so it, but okay, you know, the universe provides in, in ways that I can't quite uh, understand. So I want to say a few things that I said last night. Just to recap, I'm not going to repeat everything I talked about. It was, you know, I, I got a chance last night after a year of getting my feet on the ground and, and sort of rebuilding a lot of our systems to say to you what I really thought. Um, you know, I had an entirely different set of comments prepared, but it occurred to me that this might be an opportunity to talk to you, right? Not give a speech to you, but to talk to you. And that's what I, I got the opportunity to do. And whatever your conception of the universe or a God is, I think that those things happen when we have fit and integrity in our work. You know, I don't live in two worlds. I don't act, I try not to act one way in that room and one way in this room, right? I don't, I don't become a different person when I go into the competitive exhibit hall. And I don't think any of us should become different people when we're here talking about a substantive recovery principle and upstairs selling our stuff. I think it's a really bad idea to think that those things are separate, right? Um, and, and so maybe think about that. Let's think about what it really means to be collegial competitors and honest and, and, and also move an industry forward. I, I, I'm confident that there's a way to do that. Uh, and that this organization has the opportunity to do that. So here we are, um, getting ready for uh, two full days of substantive sessions with, um, with some amazing people. Um, I want to thank some folks who have made this all possible, too. There's a conference program. We think it's cool. Um, about 70 exhibit, uh, pardon me, sponsors have come forward to sponsor this. And no, Kathy's so right. I mean, we wouldn't even be close to being able to present this sort of thing to you without these folks. And so thank you very much to all of you for, for, for sponsoring. Can we have a hand, a round of applause for these folks? <laughs> the exhibit hall sold out two months ago. So if you want in, in Austin, Texas next year, um, understand it's going to sell out again, right? You can only get exhibit halls so big unless you go into, hi Rick, welcome. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, you can only get exhibit halls so big until you move into a you know, convention center. We're not going to go that direction. So if you want to have an exhibit booth and, and not be mad at us, you've got to sign up early. Please visit the exhibitors, uh, talk to them, find out what they're all about. Get your form checked off if you want to go into the drawing. Thank you, Southworth Associates and John Southworth, for providing um, a special prize. You'll go into a drawing uh, to win some airfare um, if, you, if you do all those things. So it's fun to get to know everybody, and who knows? We might be able to put you on an airplane. Talked last night about new, a lot of new. A lot of respect for the past. You know, 38 years, we've done a lot and we've learned a lot, but now is a very interesting and, and important time and, and we're moving forward and so we've created new direction and plans and vision in order to do that. And our strategic plan outlines that. 
everybody, you know, you, you, I'm surprised you didn't just rush out to get a copy, right, because it's such a good read. Um, I, I, I want you to take a look at it. Hard copies are upstairs on the take one table. Um, take one. Uh, and, and, and of course, it's online. Take a look at what we're planning to do in terms of our vision and how it serves you. Let us know what you think. Let me know what you think about that and whether we've left something out. Um, if you're a lot like me, you'll probably read the executive summary. <laughs> That's fine. We tried to, you know, we understand that. Uh, do take a look at that. And um, I want to commend the history and environment sections that we wrote as part of that. It really gives, we need to know who we are right now and where we have been in order to figure out where we're going and the plan attempts to do that. So please do take a look at that. Um, we talked about our new brand. We're very excited about it. We think it looks great. We've hear, gotten good feedback. It represents, it is not anything in and of itself. It is a representation of a contemporary, modern, progressive society that is moving forward uh, in an energetic fashion. And so that's why we have the new logo. And that's why the new logo should go on all of your uh, member sites and materials. We want you to use it. Um, we think it's a very powerful message. We are part of the professional provider, professional society that supports the highest level of, of addiction treatment in this country, maybe the world. Um, and we want, and you are part of that, and we, you say that you are part of that by using this logo on your materials. So all members have been sent electronic files so that your tech people can figure out how to do that, and, and we hope that you do do that. I will tell you that people seem to think it works because a week does not go by when I don't call somebody who has stolen the logo and is not a member and uses it on their site, right? Yeah, and I tell them to take it down or become a member. Take it down and then become a member, right? So, um, so do do that. You know, be part of this. Signal to the to to everyone that we are part of this society. New website. It's just up. It's been about a week. It's working pretty well. Uh, one of the most comprehensive components is within the member section. You sign in as a member, you get a whole new set of opportunities within that, including your own listing, which you manage. Um, and you'll see how that all works. And if you have trouble with it, we will help you. Uh, I've been saying, wait a week. <laughs> let us, you know, let us get back to work and figure out some of these things. But, um, but please do do that. Pick up a copy of our new newsletter upstairs, Addiction Leader. It's our first issue. Um, we worked really hard on it. We think that it's that it's good, that it's representative in terms of style of, of where we're going, but also our content. Um, and um, and the content uh, leads off with um, our piece on the conference theme, uh, which is integration and synthesis. So before I introduce our first panel, our panel this morning, um, the spiritual care folks on the, the neuroscience of spirituality, I want to say a few words about why we think this theme means something and is something more than, uh, than merely a marketing concept. Evolution and synthesis, um, these are the concepts that we bring this, this weekend uh, uh, to our work. Evolution and synthesis. Um, evolving, improving, not standing still, becoming something more than we started out at yesterday. Right? I remember going to my first alumni reunion at, at Hazelden some years ago and the spiritualist, spiritual care counselor saying to me and our group, uh, member Phil, um, 
your spiritual concepts that sustained you this year, they're not going to sustain you next year. You've got to keep doing this. And I was like, well, I was doing so well. Um, you know, it was a challenge to dig deeper, to peel back more. And that's what has to happen in professional work. Um, and think of the opportunity we have as neuroscience and spirituality begin to see the interrelationship that has been bifurcated historically by dichotomous thinking, right? Um, the, the danger of false dichotomy keeps us from making progress in our, method, in our various methods. And, that, and nowhere is that more true than spirituality and brain science, right? We need to continue to figure out how these things meld in order to improve our work. And if we remain separate camps, the scientists are meeting over here and the spiritualists are meeting over here, that's not how this industry is going to evolve. Um, it's ignorant to do that. It's ignorant on both sides to do that. So that's what this is about. Um, and, and so we, we think it does mean something. And, and that's what we want to say about your job in these next few days, is to go to these sessions and think about what that means in application, because it's easy enough to say. I mean, who's going to say you shouldn't evolve? Who's going to say you shouldn't integrate and synthesize good practices? The devil's in the details, and so we're going to start to hear about the details. Probably not the best choice of analogy, devil. Um, <laughs> God is in the details. Maybe that's it. Um, so, I want to leave you with this. Carl talked about what's happening right now. Yes, um, crossroads, opportunity, change, been part of our lives for the 38, for the 38 years that NAATP has, has been here. But it reemerges, and it has reemerged right now in a very powerful way. I used the word scary last night. I said this is a scary time, and it is a scary time because we, can, we have the opportunity to do it wrong. Um, but it shouldn't be about fear. It should be about hope, right? It should be about saying, okay, you know, there's danger out there, of course, but I am pretty trustful about this human population. I am pretty pretty confident in the people that I am looking at this morning. I think these are good people who mostly at the end of the day, even though we struggle, care about saving lives. I've been out of a clinical situation for a while now, for a few years now, so I don't see the patient come in so sick that they're just angry and leave a different human, apparently a different human being. But that's why we do our work. So now is our opportunity to say, how do we do it better? And this is the New York Times this morning. Congress wakes up to the opioid epidemic. Um, thank you, New York Times. Um, not the only paper that, that's reporting this. So we work on the ground for you in Washington, D.C. at our policy office and Mark Dunn, our policy representative, to... Um, to impact this, and, and we've impacted it, and we impact it for you. It's very difficult in your smaller corner of the world, most of you, to, uh, to, to influence policy on this level. That's a major reason why we're here. We're your voice on the ground on the Hill. And so, you know, we have, we have helped move this forward in a very significant way. And we were instrumental in getting uh, 
CARA passed, the Comprehensive Addiction and Recovery Act in the Senate, which is very good legislation. And then the House has, has, has been a fascinating uh, organism to watch in the last few weeks as it passed 18 recovery bills, mostly related to opioids, in, in the last week. And now the very fascinating process, fascinating only to lawyers and legislators, uh, uh, of um, conferencing in order to reconcile these bills into legislation that will really, really be useful begins, and we are on the ground doing that. So good things are going to happen out of this. Really good things that give us more opportunity are going to happen. And so what this accomplishes is, is public awareness of a brain disease, not a, not a lack of will and, and, and a criminalization of addiction, right? Uh, William White has always said that we have historically, as a federal policy, tried to incarcerate our way out of this problem. Um, and it's not an overstatement. That's the primary method of treatment in the United States historically for addiction is incarceration. Um, that's changing. So to the extent that something really powerfully new is happening, it's changing. When I talk to the reporters and they ask me what's special about, you know, a few million dollars or even 60 or 100 or uh, million dollars, not much, honestly. No, that's not going to solve the problem. But, but federal legislation that says our new policy is to treat addiction as a disease and help the people with it is a pretty big deal. And that's what this is all about. Now, it's all about opioids, right? Um, which represent one of the smallest addiction populations of our entire population. Alcohol is still the, by far the biggest offender, so we know that. I wish that the way it worked was that Congress just woke up and said, we get the whole environment of addiction and we're going to respond to that. Eh, you know, you, you, so what? Um, white, middle, upper middle class people got addicted to prescription drugs and that got our attention. All right, um, let's go with it. That's right. I mean, that, you know, okay. If that's how, if that's what had to happen in order for us to wake up, then that's what had to happen in order for us to wake up. So here we go. So that's this morning. It'll probably be tomorrow morning when we email you and say, "Here's what's going on in your, uh, with your guy, with your woman in Congress." And call, call. It, it, they respond to this. I'm not sure if you if you know this, but they really like to get reelected, um, and so you know that stuff works. So when we can when we can say to you, this is what's going on in Washington. Please call your senator. Please call your representative. It matters.